Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Brand marketing is where you're known for something, where you have the awareness and the interest, where you're in the mind of your ideal client or consumer. People think about you and know you before your competitors. So if you're to think of a fizzy drink, whichever fizzy drink you think of first that brand has awareness in your mind. It might be Coca-Cola or it might appear sometimes people say, well, actually, Rob, it's Sprite who's owned by Coca-Cola. Um, so and I'm not saying which one you should think of or what's right. If you think Lucas A, fine, probably owned by Coca-Cola. Costa Coffee, now owned by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola owns everyone, even my son. Um, <laughs> so, that, so brand is your awareness in the marketplace. And then also what comes to mind, how you're known, how, how people converse about you, your position. So for example, Aston Martin has a position in the, the car branding space and Kia has a position in the car branding space. It's not like either a right or wrong, but they're clear on their position. So I'm very clear if I am creating brand or direct response. So social media, you can build your awareness, your influence. Now, your brand is, I'm going to talk uh, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about eight things that you can do to be really crystal clear on your brand. So that when you create brochures, websites, new social media platforms, sales pages, articles, blog posts, podcasts, etc., live videos, the clarity and the consistency of who, who and what you're putting out to the world will remain clear to you. In fact, you know what, I'll just do that now. So a brand isn't just a logo or a visual or a colour scheme or a, a typeface, which a lot of people get really technical and anal over. Um, and in fact, I did a, a previous podcast episode called Logo Comes Last. Because when most people think about creating a brand, what do they do? Well, I need a business card, a logo, a letterhead and a comp slip. Well, 1985 might think that that's the way you brand. But this is 2018 and beyond. So your brand is the message, how you're known. The piece of real estate that you own in the mind or in the niche or in the market or in the world. And so the things that you're going to need to think about, and this isn't just one of these passive exercises, this is one of these active exercises, you're going to actually write these down. For those of you live in the course, for those of you listening to the podcast, you still want to write these down. So I'm going to quickly talk through what they are and then talk through the exercises you need to do. So I believe in building your brand or brand-led marketing, the thing that's unique and different about you is one of the most important. Because in, in your niche, there's probably plenty, plenty of competitors, plenty of podcasters, plenty of coaches, consultants, trainers, you name it, plenty of entrepreneurs, plenty of influencers, 
And a lot of people get put off by, by that, by the way. I say, don't get put off by that. Just show yourself in a unique way. Now, there's always room at the top. So don't worry for the, for the moment about your competition or who's bigger or better or been doing it longer or that there are a million of what you do. Don't worry about that for now. There's always room at the top for the best. And there's always room for the clear and the specific. Like if you ran colonic irrigation retreats in Bali, that's pretty clear. It's pretty specific. You own that niche. Don't know why that's my go-to example. <laughs> You've probably heard it before. No idea. Would I enjoy it? Would I enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? I'm, not, I'm not saying in public. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> All right, so what's unique about you? You're going to be doing that exercise in a minute. Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, there's nothing unique about me. There is because you're unique. And not just because your mum told you. You are. I've just pressed a button here. Still recording. All right, next. What do you stand for and what do you stand against? What do you believe in? You know, like vegans stand against cruelty to animals. They stand for sustainability. Whether they're right or wrong, or the, the ethical or moral judgment is irrelevant. They stand for something and I admire that. I admire someone who stands for something even if the world doesn't admire them. Donald Trump, I admire for what he stands for in that he is clear and confident and somewhat aggressive about what he stands for. Love him or hate him, look what he did. Well, that depends when you're listening to this podcast. If we're in World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Okay, next then. What do people consistently say about you that's marketable or memorable? Because a lot of people think that the brand of them is who they are or what they want to share or what they believe in. But that's half of the equation. The other half is how does the world know you and what does the world perceive that you give value to? You know, a great product is not just a product you want to create. There's plenty of great product producers and inventors who've created amazing things that people don't want. Podcasting is a great example. Ten years ago, there were great podcasters out there, but podcasting was too early. It's just too early. And now it's having a second revival, but a big revival. So the key to what do people consistently say about you that's marketable or memorable is your customers, followers, fans... They will give feedback to you as to what they like about you, what they need from you, what they buy from you, and you should listen to them. Because if you don't, you're selling stuff that your people don't want. And that is definitely one of the definitions of insanity. They say doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, pumping out products and services and content that people don't want will drive you insane. And you'll feel like you're working really hard and that life is unfair and that you should be making more money and getting more reach and exposure. But the reality is if what you've got is not what they want, it ain't going to work. So there's this paradox, there's this um, yin-yang between what you're inspired to give and what the world wants to receive. And if that's in fine balance, maybe 50-50, you're going to make a lot of money. And you're going to scale. People often ask me, Rob, how would you get all these ideas for all the books? If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, 
there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. It's simple. I engage in the communities and work out what the common challenges and problems and demands and questions are, and then I write a book on it. And then some people go, oh, well, that's a bit of a cheat. Well, I only ever write a book on what I feel I know very well. And if I don't yet, I'll wait. And there are plenty of great authors who just do two-year research studies on things that they're not experts in. They just research it well. So I must have, what, 25, 30 ideas for books now. I've written 14. And every single one of them has been me seeing enough demand in the communities that I'm in so that before I even write one word in the Word document, I know that book's going to sell. I just know it. Because thousands of people are talking about it or struggling with it or messaging me about it. And I'll even park the book I want to write next in favour of one that people want the most. As long as, like I said, I feel credible about it. So, you know, there's a lot of books out there at the moment that I could write. Like, you know how every book seems to have a swear word in it? Well, that fad will go. I mean, on the title. Fuck it. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Actually, that's quite a funny book. I don't know if you've listened to that. No fucks given at the end of every sentence. I just quite like that. <laughs> you only have a certain amount of fucks to give. Oh, wait a minute. This is going on a podcast. Sorry, kids. <laughs> All right. So. You ask people how they know you, how they perceive you. You ask for feedback. You also, this is something that people don't often do, but it's really powerful. So if you can get your ego out the way, this will really change how you build your brand. Listen to your critics. Because the thing is, your critics are also giving you feedback as to how you're being perceived in the marketplace. If a critic said to me, Rob shouts and he's ranty, that's actually good feedback. It means I'm getting under people's skin. It means I'm living up to the brand of being disruptive. So I'm not going to apologise for that. All right, next then on building your brand, your sustainable, durable, enduring brand. What words or values could you own? Just do it. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Are there words, phrases and values that you could own? What are you synonymous with and for? Now, that's probably a merging of the values that you hold to be true in your life. It might be freedom. It might be profit. It might be variety. It might be consistency. You know, your values don't have to be all these big ethereal ones that all the big multi-billion companies seem to have. There's nothing wrong with consistency or fairness. Now, sometimes you can actually own a word or a phrase like just do it. But other times you don't necessarily own the word, but people just know in your mind that that's what they get from you. 
And that has power, that has mind space. Because in branding, the enemy to all branding is inconsistency. Why do companies pay tens or hundreds of millions of pounds to branding gurus for them to change the colour by about 0.0001% gradient, not even change the typeface and just ever so slightly freshen up the brand? Because if, if Nike went from a tick to a cross and just do it to now nah, fuck it, <laughs> then there's a problem there. And they could pay some creative agency a load of money for that. And they could ruin all the goodwill they've built over, I don't know how long it is, what is it, 40, 50 years with Nike? I don't know. So certain phrases like disruptive or fair or consistent or creative or visionary or whatever, if you can somehow take ownership of those and if you can stay consistent to those as you move forward and develop your brand and don't get distracted and don't redesign your website every six to 12 months and change your colour scheme and go into a new business or stream or change the name of your podcast or whatever else. Because you know what? Susan Boyle was singing for decades before her big moment on, what show was she on? Britain's Got Talent, that's the one. And sometimes you have to say and do things tens of thousands of times before it plants in people's minds. And so inconsistency is definitely the enemy of a great brand. I mean, Starbucks, I don't know what they would have paid their brand consultants. It would have been tens of millions of pounds. And all they did really was take the word coffee off the brand. So it's just Starbucks. Uh, it's quite interesting, actually, if you look at major brands like Coca-Cola or McDonald's or whoever, and you go back through 30 or 40 years of their logo changes, they're very, very iterative. Only very small changes. Who's familiar with the, the, the car company Porsche? Show me your hand if you are. Well, if you look at a 1960s Porsche, you can really see the design language. I mean, it looks different, but it only looks modern different. The shape where the engine is put, once they went to a mid-engine, is all very similar. You know, the lights, very similar. Because if they design something radical, you know, the, the thought process is, oh, if we design something radical, we can disrupt the market. And you might attract a few new people. But what would you do is you'd put off all those loyal customers and buyers that you've built and painstakingly worked for over the last 50 years. So here's the, the, the challenge, the um, paradox we have as entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs like variety, yet with our brand, we have to stay consistent. I've definitely found that hard over the years. And we assume a change is better. But if you have a decent brand with good mind space and good goodwill and a bit of history, a change can break something. It could be worse. So the more clear you are on that now, the less that'll have to change. So a bit of work up front doing exercises on that. So those of you that are in this course and not listening to the podcast, we'll be going through and actually writing down these exercises. The next thing then, what's your mission and vision? How are you going to change the world? A personal computer in every home, or words to that effect, were that of Microsoft. How do you change the world? So the vision is the unattainable outcome that your company exists to serve and reach. 
So mine is global financial freedom. That's unattainable. I'm never going to achieve that. And I don't mean all the globe's money in my pocket, by the way. It's, I mean for other people. I just want my share. My fair share. So, you know, like, I'm, let's say I've helped 100,000 people towards financial freedom. I mean, it's more, but I don't know how many people are financial free out of everyone I've reached. Let's say it's 100,000 people. Well, there's 7 billion people on the planet. And by the time I'm 50, there might be 9 or 10 billion people on the planet. But if I don't have that dreamy, unrealistic vision, then I play small. The mission is how you get there. So the vision is the grand end game. Just way too big. For, it's got to be way too big for you. And then the mission are the, is the way that you get there. So if progressive property, one of my company's values, was global financial freedom as the vision, then the mission would be by investing for freedom, choice and profit. Now, a good way to develop your own vision and mission, I believe, is to pick the companies that you're inspired by, that you love, that means something to you, that you have an affinity with, and then read their vision and mission. And then try and hybridise and merge that with what's unique about you and, what, and, the, and the goals and the outcomes that you want to achieve. Oh, and by the way, the bigger your vision, the more outside of you it is, the faster that drags you up towards it. So there's a certain magnetism of creating a big vision. Because if your vision was to get out of debt, then once you're out of debt, the vision is achieved and then there's no longer the pursuit of it. If your vision was to get your family into financial freedom, once that's achieved, then that stops. So the grander the vision, the more magnetised it is for you and the more magnet magnetised it is for other people. You know, no one's going to be inspired if I want to get myself out of debt. Good on you, Rob, but I don't care. Whereas if I wanted to help the globe have more financial education and freedom... People are going to be attracted to that because that serves them and it serves vast numbers of people. So it ticks the altruism and the reciprocity. All right, what we got next? Next then is how do you help solve people's problems, pains, challenges, difficulties, struggles? What ultimately inventing or product creation is solving a needed problem, a purposeful problem, a meaningful problem. Now, that the um, Rousing family, started by Hans, I believe, Tetra Pak is the company, they just solve very simple problems. Like, do you remember when you used to walk outside in the fresh morning to get your bottle of milk and the frickin' birds had pecked in it? Bastards, get your rifle out. <laughs> well, then Tetra Pak and the packaging and the plastics, I know there's a big movement against plastics now, but back then we didn't know the issues with plastic. Do you remember um, when you used to open a can of Coke and you had to pull the ring pull off? And that was litter everywhere and dangerous because it was sharp. So I don't know who invented that ring pull where you pull it and then push it back and it stays on. But absolutely, they'd have made hundreds of millions or maybe even billions. A simple solution. Now, how do you know the right problems to solve? One, what problems do you want to solve? Because I don't want to solve packaging problems. I'm just not into it. But also, your community, your followers, your niche, your ideal clients, what, uh, what feedback are they giving you the problems that they have that they need solving? How do you make people's lives easier, faster, better, more convenient? Oh, and by the way, don't worry so much at the moment if it seems a bit out there. I'll give you an example. 15 years ago, if someone had said to you, hey, mate, 
Why don't you rent your room out to some random weird stranger? You'd have been like, get lost. And now look at Booking.com and Airbnb. It's normal. Or a random unlicensed person to pick you up in a black car. No, thanks. I'd like a licensed one, please. Uber. Something to think about. Okay. And then from that is your bio. What's your story? People buy stories. People buy your past, your struggles. People buy your results, but they buy it in a maybe a humble way or an honest way or a real, hashtag real way. And I, the model of story that tends to work the best in the business world is then now how action. So 12 months ago, I was so skint, I used to go down KFC and lick people's fingers for food. Fast forward to now and I'm a billionaire. And it's all thanks to insert product or service. And you can do it too, if you just buy my shit. All right, so that's the stage speaker seller version. But the then is your struggles, your pain, your past. The now is where you are now, your credibility, your believability. Why should people trust and buy from you? The how is what they need to do to get it. And that might be what your product and service delivers. And then the action is what they need to do. So if you're going to write your bio, that's a good place to start. I don't think bio should be like war and peace. I think bio should be maximum two folds on a screen. So above the fold means one full screen and everything else below the fold. So I think then one full scroll, that should be the longest your bio should be. Ideally, it'd fit on one page in if you were writing a book, I think. And I would write it and then I would look at editing it and editing it and getting rid of wasted words and waffly phrases and such. Now, your bio probably wants to balance who you are and what you do for the world with how it benefits the reader. How do you serve your consumer? Because if it's all me, 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 my, 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 look at me, I've done this, I've got that award, I've got that Adelaide, Adelation, accolation, accolade, what the fuck ever else, but I'm, I'm a god, so just believe me and buy all my shit. It's not really, especially in England, if you're listening to this in America, you probably get away with that. But in England, we're so reserved. We don't like anyone to brag. Oh, you can't brag. So they have a word for that now, now, though, in marketing. They call it the humble brag. So it's packaging your credibility in a humble, real, honest way, a modest way. All right, so let me remind you of all of those. Oh, and then you can do your logo, your colour scheme. Because will your logo and colour scheme be easier when you know all that information? Absolutely, yes. Because if you research colour schemes, you'll know. Maybe green is trust, red is danger, I don't know. You'll know what colours to do based on your brand values. So let me remind you of brand-led marketing. Uh, Developing a sustainable, enduring brand, which sells you rather than you have to sell it. And that is what's unique about you, what's different about you. What what, what, um, space in the mind do you own? What do you stand for? And sometimes what do you stand against? What do people consistently say about you that's marketable or memorable or interesting or quirky or unique? You don't have to write these down. I've already told you them. Um, What words or values could you own? You or your company. What's your mission and vision? And use the ones, the companies that inspire you and hybridize maybe some of theirs with some of yours. 
I know um, someone called Daniel Priestley very well. He's a good friend of mine and he's in, in the sort of business space. And he's got a company called Dent. And he's very inspired by Steve Jobs. And of course, Steve Jobs was famous for saying, I want to make a dent in the universe. So, you know, that's a clever hybridization of what he wants to be with who he's inspired by. There's nothing wrong with paying homage to the people that have inspired you. Just don't copy them. How do you help solve people's problems and pains and make life faster, easier, better, more convenient? And then that all leads into your bio or your store. So thanks for tuning into the podcast. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.